So I had a uh, vision, and I could hear the sound during worship, of bottle rockets going off. And I could hear the, the, I could hear the fuse get lit, and it goes, and then pop, and it would pop. I was hearing these popping sounds. And then I was starting to see more fireworks going off. And then I was just saying, Lord, light their fuses. Light their fuses. And every time you would get lit and you would worship, there was this pop and pow and bang and going off. And then it got bigger and bigger and bigger, like the most incredible fireworks display that you'd ever seen. And then God says, now look at my fireworks display. And he took me into the cosmos, and I could see the stars, and I could see stars exploding and popping, and I could see the sun and the moon and all the planets in the universe. And God literally was taking, through, taking me through this experience of the beauty and radiance of his creation in the heavens. And I just kept hearing and seeing and feeling you guys being lit and popping and exploding and it was catching everybody's attention on earth. And I was seeing this collision between the cosmos and earth in worship. And then I was reminded in Psalm 18 that basically all of heaven declares the greatness and the glory of God. And all the earth is crying out for the same thing. And as the earth cries out, the heavens cry out, and there's this collision that takes place. And then as we collided, I began to see a rain shower. And God said, this is my latter day rain that's coming. That God's about to pour out his spirit on earth in a way that we've never seen before. Don't get sidetracked by the narratives of the world. Don't get sidetracked by what's happening in the world around you. God is pouring out his spirit in a supernatural way. And a cataclysmic collision is about to happen. This storm that's hitting Louisiana is called Cristobal. It's not, it doesn't mean crystal ball, just so that you know. It means one who holds Christ in his heart. And God showed me with this storm, when we got five inches of rain last week, God began to speak to me that in the natural, we're about to see what he's about to do in the spirit. And that there is something happening to Louisiana Something profound is about to happen to Louisiana, but something profound is happening here. And there was a prophet that, that some time ago messaged me and said, I see a marriage happening with 318. And I was like, huh? He was like, does that mean anything to you? I said, I have no idea. I said, I know 313, 333. Those mean a lot to me. 1333, but 318, I have no idea. So about a week later, I was talking with Brad McClendon, who just moved to Shreveport, Louisiana, and I said, man, I got this word that God was about to, that there was going to be a marriage between 318. And so I'm thinking, March 18th, I'm trying to navigate, like, what could this ever mean? He goes, what? I said, yeah. He goes, that's me. I said, what are you talking about? He said, that's the name of my church that I planted and that I'm moving to oversee. It's Jordan Crossing 318. Wow. And the zip code of Shreveport, Louisiana is 318. And I, we laughed, we laughed for an hour at how 
we how I totally didn't catch that, but just how great the Lord is. He's like, it's already happening. And so something really big is happening in the cosmos around us. What's most important is that the cosmos in you is lined up. When the, when the virgins, the 10 virgins, were in a procession to the wedding at night with torches, they fell asleep because the bridegroom was long in coming. When they fell asleep, five of them ran out of oil. They were, they're called the foolish virgins, right? But it says when they woke up, the first thing they did was trim their wick. If you study trim their wick, it means cosmos. The wick is the word cosmos. It means to put in order. It means splendid, an array. It means that God, by design, hung the moon and the sun and the universe and the stars by design, and he puts things in order. And, and also it means to be arrayed with splendor because these were the wet, this was the wedding party. And as they went, they, once they fell asleep and they woke up, they trimmed the wick of their heart, put things in order, and arrayed themselves with splendor. And what I'm saying to you is we cannot afford to be like the foolish virgins. You must keep your lamp full with reserves. It's overflowing. It's an abundant supply. It's not just enough. It's more than enough. And every single one of you, you can't afford to go through the motions and be a good Christian and not be filled with the Spirit and have extra reserves or your fire will go out. Your fire will go out because there's no oil, right? And so when the virgins got up, they trimmed their wick. Once they trimmed their wick, God could light their wick. Once their wick got lit, the fire would burn bright and they would become an incredible fireworks display for all the world to see. And I am declaring over Rock City Church and each one of you a prophetic word that God is going to light our wick, fill our lamps, light our wick, and we're going to be put on display for all the world to see. And heaven is going to invade earth and there will be a cataclysmic collision of the likes no one has ever seen. And this church doesn't deserve it. It's not good enough. We're, we are like the nation of Israel, a little odd, a little strange, and in the natural without a lot of power. But in the spirit, in the spirit, we have a covenant with the creator of the universe, and God's going to fulfill that covenant, and you are a part of it. Amen. Listen to me. If you are a part of this church, you're a part of it. So you better get ready for your lick, your wit to be lit. Your wick to be lit. Close your eyes and say, Lord, light my wick. Fill my lamp. Holy Spirit, I look to you. Fill me right now. Jesus, I'm coming to you to drink from you so that out of my belly, out of my heart, can flow rivers of living water. I declare your praise and your glory on earth, and I send it up to heaven. Send the latter rain down upon my heart, my marriage, my family, my children, my future, my life, everything you have in store, Lord. Pour your spirit out in a way that's supernatural and abundant and produces a latter rain harvest of the likes no one has ever seen. I'm agreeing for it for my family first. I'm agreeing for it for my church. 
I'm agreeing for it for the churches of the city. I'm agreeing for my nation. Heal our nation, God. Let our praises rise and let your rain shower descend all over this nation, God. Heal the political divide. Heal the racial divide. Heal the religious divide. Heal the church divide. Make us one. Come on, guys. Pray this prayer with me. Make us one as you and the Father are one. Make us one, God. Help us to understand what your purpose is, what your plan is, and what role I play in it as your hands and feet to declare it from the rooftops, to hear it in the dark, to hear it in the ear, and to say publicly what I have heard privately. Thank you that I'm the answer to a world in crisis because you live in me. So I fix my eyes on you, Jesus. And Lord, I will be lit to explode for all the world to see. Make me a firework. Make me a firework. Light me up, Jesus. Light me up, Jesus. I only want to do what I see you do. I only want to say what I hear you say. I only want to hear what you're saying. And I only want to respond with spiritual responses. Make me spiritual. Fascinate me with your wonder, with all of your creation, but mostly with your heart. I want to know your heart, Father. I want to know how much you love me and love everyone around me. May I never think of myself higher and mightier than my brother. And I thank you, God, for healing my heart, healing my family, healing my church, healing my city, and healing my nation. Thank you for this nation, God. The nations belong to you. You said, you said, you said, ask of me, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. And I declare this nation and the nations of the world belong to you. They do not belong to a man. They belong to you. And what the enemy seeks to steal, kill, destroy, and divide, I declare that I'm a united house and that your house in this nation and all over the world will become one. Make us one. Unite us so that we can be the contrast, the light in a world of darkness. I am the light of the world in a world of darkness. I'm the one that brings hope, healing, reconciliation, and peace into this land. And I thank you, God, that you have created me for such a time as this. So light my fuse. Light my fuse, God. Send me up into the stratosphere and ignite me for all the world to see. I'm a city on a hill. I'm a city on a hill. And I'm taking off the covering. I'm taking off the bushel so that all the world can see. I'm coming out of hiding. And I will declare the greatness of your name and bring healing, deliverance, freedom to everyone that so desperately needs it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because you have anointed me to preach good news to the captives, to set at liberty those that are in prison, to bring eyesight to those that are blind, to open deaf ears for those that can't hear, 
to make the feeble knees and the lame knees strong so that those that need to walk will walk upright. Thank you, God, for today. Thank you for the worship. Thank you for our worship team. And thank you, God, that we can come into agreement with you and make things happen together with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. Now, guys, we're not here to play church on a Sunday morning. We're here to be the church. Okay, now let me say a couple things to you right off the bat. We're not an activist church, but we're active. We're not an activist church, but we're active. We don't have to respond to the narratives of the world. I don't have to defend myself for something that I'm not. And I'm only going to speak when Jesus says to speak. Let me tell the atrocity happening in our nation right now. Spiritual ministers that claim to represent God that don't say what he says. And even worse, a body of Christians that pretend to represent God that may be right but aren't righteous and have no weight and no power in what they say and are spouting off at the mouth and taking up social justice causes that Jesus isn't taking up. And I'm not just talking about the racial divide. Our, our nation has been polarized and divided for a long time. The world is in crisis. It's always been. And I'm going to make a bold statement. If you don't know Jesus, you're in crisis. You may not see it, you may not feel like it, but let me help you to understand that statement. Jesus is the source of all wisdom. Jesus is the source of all understanding. Jesus is the source of compassion, reconciliation, and unity. In fact, the Bible says that God is love. So any other love outside of God is not true love. And if you can't see the way Jesus sees, then you're spouting off things that don't have truth, God's reality and truth behind it. We're saying things because we feel like they're right and we're taking up causes and we want to start revolutions, but that's not what Jesus did. Our mission and message has to be Jesus's mission and message. And if it doesn't have the spirit behind it, it has no way to no power to transform. You're just talking. I'll show it to you in scripture today. It's like people message me, have been messaging me nonstop. They know that I'm somewhat have helped organize over 30 pastors in the city in the Moral Compass Initiative, a group of seven pastors that makes their voice heard to the state legislators and to our city leaders about biblical standards. And like, well, you, you, need, you guys should be doing this. Look what they're doing in other cities and pastors. I said, let me tell you something. We don't have to respond just because the world is in crisis. Amen. And you're like, well, your silence means, it said, let me, that is, you don't want to know what I really want to say about that. Racism is, de is demonic, so Lord, please bring all the racists in Corpus Christi to Rock City Church. You know why? They need Jesus. Because if a racist goes to prison, he's still a racist in prison. If a murderer or a pedophile goes to prison without Jesus, I've been to prison, you don't want to know what they're going to do there. Because just locking them up without spiritual transformation doesn't change them. The Bible has so much to say about unity and brotherly love and being one. The problem is most people, and I'll just be nice today, maybe not this church, maybe so, most people don't read their Bibles. Most people don't know how to hear God's voice. No, most people have no idea what God's saying. And it's a tragedy when a Christian claims to represent Jesus and they're talking out of their rear end and they don't really know what he's saying and doing. 
Doesn't that bother you or is it just me? I'm like, you need to just be quiet because what you're saying is actually dividing the church instead of making us one. Like, well, you need to pick up that cause and you need to make this stand. You need... And then what I do is I polarize and I divide. Let me tell you something. The greatest way that I can make my voice heard is by how I vote when it comes to leaders and politicians. And I will vote. And I don't need to sit up here and tell you whether I'm a Democrat or a Republican because I'm part of the kingdom. There are corrupt Republicans that are pedophiles and cheaters and liars just as much as there are Democrats. I'm on Jesus' side, but I will vote. How will I vote? I will vote for my number one issue of them all. And it's the first thing that I look for when I come to vote. You know what it is? Abortion. Because it's murder. But I'm on a mission to not only rescue girls from getting an abortion, but to heal those that have gotten one. And there's a lot of people here that have gotten abortions that are free and full of life and they don't live in shame because some women never get over it their whole lives and they live stuck in the past. God doesn't see you based on your past. He sees you for who you are now. And he brings healing and mercy and grace and forgiveness and kindness and mercy to everybody's life. But guess what? I'm not on a mission... I'm not on a mission to preach full-time against abortion. I'm on a mission to bring life and healing and power to everybody that walks in this church. Gay couples can come to Rock City. In fact, some do. You may not know it, but some do. And it gets me fired up because they need Jesus. And they love, they see my heart of love. And they know that they're safe here. Safe to get born again and know Jesus and be spirit-led because the best way I can change an LGBTQ or the best way that I can change somebody that's against the true marriage and is, uh, is not for the sanctity of marriage is to put the spirit of God inside of you and to get you hearing God's voice because I'm not your Lord. Jesus is Lord. This isn't control. I don't need agendas. I need spirit-filled Christians that know how to say what God says. So we got to stop spouting off at the mouth. Then I'm going to get on this, fa- this soapbox right now because I don't have a written out message today. God said, I got scriptures and we'll read some Bible today. But I am going to tell you exactly what I feel like the Lord's saying. So, the problem with social media is it's not a real conversation. And many of us want to be keyboard warriors, but you don't know how to have a face-to-face conversation. We need face-to-face conversations. Even this is, we may be face-to-face, but we're not talking together. I'm doing all the talking right now. And my prayer is that you'll hear what God has to say in my midst. I want you to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say. But lives are changed in dialogues, not monologues. That's why discipleship is so important. That's why we need spiritual fathers more than teachers and instructors and pastors that just have something to say. We need people that get in the trenches that will fight with you and together with you. And we need people that will correct you when you go on the wrong direction. And we need to be willing to be corrected. Because all discipline and correction comes from love. So if you can find somebody that loves really well, say, inspect me. If you respect me, correct me, whatever it takes. Because that's what I do with my son. He's six. If I don't learn to correct him properly, he's going to wind up dead, in jail, a drug dealer. Or who knows what's 
I correct him for his good, but I instruct him and teach him not to shame him. That's why 1 Corinthians 4, the apostle Paul says, I don't write these things to shame you, but to warn you. And if we don't get some warning, the church can get divided. The church will fight each other over causes and issues that should never be. I mean, we fight for all kinds of stuff. The church is divided over tongues, for goodness sake. Gifts of the spirit, the church is divided. Alcohol, all kinds of doctrinal issues. That's why the Holy Spirit has to unite us. That's why we need spiritual Christians, not just good Christians. We need people that know how to hear God's voice and say what he says and do it his way and have an understanding of what God's really doing on earth as it is in heaven. And then Paul says, you may have 10,000 instructors, but you don't have many fathers. Let's say this together. Say, I need a father. I need a father. First, we need a heavenly father. Then we need a dad that we've never had. And some of you have a living father like my, my dear friend Keith's dad. He's a pastor. He loves Jesus. I mean, when you, if you get around Keith, he'll talk about his dad. He honors and loves and cherishes his dad. And so much of who he is today and the legacy is because of his dad. I want that for my kids. How about you? But then we need spiritual fathers. We need a family. Everybody say, I need a family. Because in the context of family, all things are revealed. I'm going to show it to you in Scripture. Everything hidden gets revealed in a family. That's why most people walk in shame and they hide. And I don't want you to walk in shame and hide. So then the Apostle Paul says, therefore, imitate me. And the challenge is we don't want to follow a man. But would you follow a father? And we got Christian orphans living everywhere, spouting off and, and defending things and saying things. They have no dad. Don't be that person. And I can't be everybody's in the sense of intimately. I'm not going home with you tonight to rub your kids back. But I'm praying for you. And we'll build community where we can get into relationship and become healthy because we're better together than separate. And God's got an army and a family all over the world that is the answer to a world in crisis. But if the church gets divided, it's a tragedy. I don't need nice accolades and I don't need you to come just because you like me. I don't need your money and I don't need people in the seats. I didn't get into it for that and I'm not going to fight for that. If I had to fight for you to stay here, I'll have to fight for you not to leave. Yeah, because you got to hear from God. There's couples in this room right now that are only here because God wrestled you down and said, you're going to this church. <laughs> and you kicked and screamed and bowed up. And then you said, okay, Lord. So I didn't call you to be comfortable. He called you to be a part of a family. And it can be messy. But we're trench fighters and I care about you and I love you and I love your children and I want to see you have an awesome marriage, and I want to see you marry the right guy, and I want to see you fulfill every purpose and plan that God has for you on earth as it is in heaven. But you need somebody to learn from. Yes, you have Jesus, but you also need earthly examples that have conversations. Isn't that right, Reuben? Have we had many conversations? Have I corrected you? Is your marriage better today because of our conversations? Is that true? Okay. 
And you know why I do that? Because they're going to turn around and reproduce it. Hector and Kaylee, Rebecca and Raman, the list goes on. As you get unified and you learn what real fatherhood and family looks like, you then give it to somebody else. Whew, I got chills talking about that. But I don't need a bunch of do-good Christians that are right but not righteous and talking out of their rear end and quoting a lot of scriptures and defending for a cause and bringing more division. We need spiritual sons and daughters that have lit fuses that fire off in the atmosphere and pop like fireworks and everything they say is God's word and God's voice. Wouldn't that be cool? Matthew chapter 10, verse 24, disciples not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough. Everybody say, it's enough. it's enough. It's enough for a disciple that he'd be like his teacher and a servant like his master. This is a powerful scripture. Who do we need to be like first? It's enough. Everybody say, it's enough, it's enough. to be like Jesus. You don't, you're never to be like the world. The world's blowing up, and I get it. Racism's demonic. I've never been racist. I was raised in the hood selling diamond nickel bags. I, went, I was in a reggae band. I have, I have so many black brothers and sisters that I love to know, and, and I never, ever think twice about the color of their skin, Ever. But there are people that have been raised in prejudiced homes. There are people that have been taught that there's a difference. And it's demonic. So somebody's got to teach them otherwise. Do you understand? And Jesus did it by love and power and conversion. Not protesting. And I will make my voice heard. Trust me. In fact, it's not like I need something else to do in my life. I have two little kids, three coffee shops that are setting all-time record sales, by the way. Let me just testify. Yesterday morning, again, we set an all-time record sales day just by morning and for the whole day. But by noon yesterday, I set another all-time record sales. I have made 30% more than every dollar I lost in the shutdown. Now, you all got to watch how I walked the shutdown out. I think you should imitate me. You don't have to be like me. I need you to be like Jesus. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says, imitate me as I imitate him. So never would I want you to follow or imitate somebody that's not like Jesus. But when you find them, you cling to them. Like Prophet Kevin Leal for me. Like Brad McClendon. There's many that I'm like, I want what you, I want what you have. And then I, in turn, God puts something inside of me and I become like them. And my hope and my prayer is that there's something in me that makes you pop like popcorn and say, I want to be like that. I hope so. Because I really want to look like Jesus. I want to worship like him. And when Jesus says to me at the 45-minute mark, go tell uh, Gabby, tell people to raise their hand and sing in the spirit, and it's going to take another 35 minutes of worship, you do it. And if Jesus says to me, gather the pastors and go down to the courthouse and rally around the flag and pray, we'll do it. But if Jesus doesn't tell me to do it, I'm not going to do it. So stop telling me and I'll stop telling you what I think you should or shouldn't be doing. Instead, I'll teach you to be spirit led because I wasn't in the line on Chick-fil-A day 
when, every, when Chick-fil-A got kicked out and was everybody was, the LGBTQ was banning Chick-fil-A, I wasn't in line at the Chick-fil-A day. And if you were, I'm okay with that as long as you were doing what Jesus did. I don't have to get on a cause or a bandwagon. I have to love you better and I have to show you the Father's heart. And if God says do it, we do it. Like, for example, right now in the state legislature, there are a bunch, there's a state legislator caucus called the LGBTQ caucus right now. And they are proposing a, what's called a ban the Bible bill. Yes, and let me tell you why. Because they see the Bible as discriminatory and they see Christians as discriminatory and that, I mean, they're never going to be able to really ban the Bible. I mean, maybe one day and you're going to get persecuted a lot more than you are now. You're going to be persecuted for something. Trust me, if the world hated Jesus, they're going to hate you. I mean, you're going to get persecuted for your skin color, your, your, what you don't say and what you do say. You're going to get persecuted for what you believe. You will be persecuted for being a Christian. You don't have to apologize, Siri. It's okay. Just calm down. Calm down. And so everybody's messaging me. Did you see this? And I'm like, yeah, I saw it. Well, what are you going to do about it? I said, I don't know. I'm going to ask Jesus what he's going to do about it. And then I'm going to do whatever it is I see him doing what he tells me to do. We may or may not write a letter. We may or may not say something. And if we do say something, there'll be weight and power behind it. And there'll be thousands and thousands of people that stand behind it because it'll be unified by the spirit, not an agenda. We don't need agendas. We need the Holy Spirit. Whoa. Frequency. Sorry about that. That's right. Pow. So you're not above Jesus. So why do we act like it? And why do we pretend to represent him when we really don't? Because we have agendas. Jesus had a great agenda. It was an agenda to love and heal and turn upside down religious dysfunction. And I can assure you, all the while, Herod was having orgies in the government house and oppressing the people. I can assure you. In fact, you want to do a really good study? Go study out Emperor Nero, who was the emperor burning Christians at the stake yeah. when Paul wrote Romans 13.1 that said, submit to every authority because no authority is put in position except those put by God. That will blow your mind because when the shutdown happened, I didn't have to keep the church shut. I didn't have to. I might have gotten arrested and gotten on the news and who knows, but biblically I didn't have to. But I chose to because I understand that if you want to really show unity and power and transformation, that I was supposed to do that. God told me I was supposed to do it. And you know what? There are people coming to this church now because of the shutdown. There are people that got healed and saved because of the shutdown. I got more work done at my house than I've ever gotten done because of the shutdown. <laughs> And you know what? We were one of the first churches to open. So there was a couple that didn't, but I was being spirit-led. And I got persecuted by certain people that said, you are bowing to the system for not opening the church. And I said, 
I don't care what you think. I'm not following you. I don't know. I mean, seriously. Did I think the whole thing was idiotic? But could I see God in the midst of it? Yes. I have a lot to say about that, but we're going to move on. And so a servant's not greater than their master. And so then Jesus goes on to say this powerful statement. He says, if they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, which was a Philistine god, meaning Lord of the flies, if they said he's the king fly and you're the little fly that only eats dung and you're really not from the father, you're demonic, you're demonic, Satan's leading you. If they said that about Jesus, how much more will they say it about you? Now, let me just make sure you understand. We are not experiencing the level of persecution that's going to come, but it's coming. So get ready now. Now's a good time to get your house in order. Now's a good time to lay down sin that so easily entangles you so you can run a race and win the prize, the Bible says. You can do it. I'm for you, not against you. Lay it down. And understand that when persecution comes, God has a response. And if you're not careful, you're going to respond the way the world responds. So look at what Jesus says next. In verse 26. Therefore, don't fear them, for there's nothing covered that will will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. And what that means is, is if there's anything hidden inside of our hearts that's not healthy and not right, God wants to bring it out and reveal it so that you can get healing. It goes like this, reveal it so you can heal it. Come on. But if you're not in a culture where confession and trust and reality-based conversations can happen, then you're just a keyboard warrior that's isolated, representing Jesus and not unified. And the power is diminished if there's any at all. Understand? So he says, let it come out. And then he says this in the next verse. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Most people are afraid of the dark. Most people are afraid of what they might hear when God goes to talk to them. But he's saying to you, listen, I know that persecution and fear and shame from an enemy is going to come against you. But more than anything, you need to hear my voice so that what you say will be from me. And when I speak to you, get your fuse lit and pop off like a firecracker, but you're now speaking his way because you heard it in the ear. Most Christians, sadly, do not hear God's voice. About, and look, don't feel any shame on that. I'm here to help you hear God's voice. You say, well, how do I hear God's voice? If you have a child or ever had a child, do they know the sound of your voice? Do they? Why? Well, yeah, you're their parent, but you raised them. You spent time with them. So the more that you spend time with them, the more, the more that you spend time with the Lord, the more that you learn to hear his voice and not the voice of another. We went and got two sheep. Which, by the way, I'm pausing on that sheep for a second. 
I don't need anything else in my life. I've got three coffee shops, a shopping center, a church of six to 700. We've got, I've got two little kids. And now I have three donkeys, three goats. No, I'm not kidding. Three donkeys, three goats, two sheep, 27 chickens, nine ducks, 15 quail, two 50-pound dogs, and cats. And a partridge in a pear tree. That's right. <laughs> Let me just tell you, we are selling tickets to my petting zoo. I have the best petting zoo in town. And then one day somebody calls up and says, hey, I want you to take my spot on the ethics commission. And I'm like, I don't need another thing. But the Lord said, this is what I'm calling you to do. So I'm active. I vote. I make my voice heard. I stand for truth when I know something is coming from the Lord. And then I declare it from the rooftops. Do you see the verse? And so it's very, very important that you're hearing God's voice so that every decision you make is, is spirit-led at all times. Do you understand that? Look at, the, look at it. You got to hear in the ear and what he tells you in the dark. What is in the dark? It's, in your, it's what you do behind closed doors. And most people are consumed with their works and their job and their own families that they don't make God the priority and then they don't make his family a priority. It's all about them, and they miss what God's really saying and doing. Don't be that person. Jesus would go on to say in Matthew 12, 25, when he was being accused of being Satan or casting people out by Satan, casting demons out, he said in verse 25, he said, Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. Is our nation divided? Yes. More than we pro it feels like it's more divided than it's ever been. I've said that many times. Should the kingdom be divided? No. Should God's house be divided? No. What will happen to our nation if it stays divided? That's right. So God's answer to a divided nation is a united house. You should write that down. God's answer to a divided nation is a united house. Because we can be declaring from the rooftops, but imagine if millions of united Christians, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every color, was saying the same things by the Spirit. That would be pretty incredible, right? See, this isn't a white church. This isn't a black church. This isn't a Hispanic church. This is a kingdom church. This church is 60% Hispanic but we're not a Mexican church, even though I have a Mexican in me. I don't know where, but I do somewhere. I know I got some Irish in me and some black in me and some Jewish in me because I, I have Jesus in me. And I see everybody the way he sees them. Why do we expect the world to act like Christians? And you're mad at the world because they're blowing up and combusting and fighting and divided. You think they should act like Jesus? They don't know Jesus. So what are you going to do about it? We're going to win souls. The Bible says he who wins souls is wise. You know what that means? It doesn't just mean I'm out to just get you saved. 
It means that I'm out to get, because your soul is the seat of your mind, your will, and your emotions. If, you, if I win your soul, I got you to think differently. I got you to act differently. And I'm ready to see the church act differently than the world. I don't have to be drawn into the world's battle. I fight God's battle the kingdom way. See, I'm not your God cop. I think some of y'all post some, some people post some really dumb things. I'm like, what is happening here? Aren't you a spirit-filled Christian that goes to Rock City and you're posting that? And God says, pray for them and let me do what I do best. Instead of Now, there's some people that I message privately. <laughs> and you didn't see it because I'm not out to publicly shame them. I'm out to privately correct them, and I'm still very nice about it. It's like, hey, listen, saw that post that you posted. I really think it wasn't appropriate as a son and a believer that represents Jesus to post that post. Pray about it. Now I let Jesus do what Jesus does best. Right? And so we are designed to become one and to be unified so that we can represent the Father on earth as it is in heaven. Because what the world really needs is a family. And God's family is every nation, tribe, and tongue. And if somebody doesn't know that, and they have any, any shred of racism or prejudice inside of them, then our desire should be to get them born again. Because otherwise, they stay the same. They don't need your behavior modification. They don't need your rants and raves. They need Jesus. I don't know how much more to say that. And they need a father that can correct them because they probably never had one. And they probably never saw what real fatherhood should look like. In fact, I'm sure of It's not even probably. They got sidetracked. They got deceived. Now they're in full deception. But if I respond the same way that the world's responding, I fall prey to that deception. Don't be those people. And I, don't, I can't say what other churches are doing. I'm not running in New Life's Lane. I like the pastor. He and I are friends. But I'm not trying to be like him or vice versa. We're trying to be like Jesus. And we stay in our lane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And our lane is love, unity, make us one as you and the Father are one. So let me show it to you a little bit more. Romans 12, verse 9. Don't be a hypocrite in your, the way you love. You can't be hypocrite. Hip, love you without hypocrisy means make sure you don't have a hypocritical posture in your heart in the way that you love. I have to see the strung out drug addict the way Jesus does. And I can never think myself higher and mightier than they are. I have to see somebody that comes from the hood, somebody that is, has a different sexual preference, somebody that doesn't believe the way that I believe. I have to see them the way Jesus sees them or I'll never be able to give them what Jesus wants to give them. Are those, do I think those things are okay? Absolutely not. Am I for them? Heck no. I'm for God's word. I'm for the truth. And I'm going to make my voice heard for what I'm for more than what I'm against. 
See, the real issue with the sanctity of marriage is that it's a direct assault on the father's heart because there's no reproduction of sons and daughters and there's no unity because in the heart of God is a mother and a father, is male and female. And when you take that away, you literally stop God's original plan and intention from the garden all the way until now. So I'm for marriage between a man and a woman because I understand God's got a purpose and a plan to reveal his heart as a loving father and mother on earth as it is in heaven. I understand it biblically and I understand it from his agenda, his heartbeat. But I, I'm not hating on LGBTQ. I'm not hating on pro-choice. I'm not hating on the rioters. I'm gonna love the way Jesus loved and pray they come here get born again, get spirit filled. And if they come here and you look down on them and act like a pomp, pious Christian without the spirit, you are gonna stop what God wants to do. We are the answer to a world in crisis. I need spiritual responses, not people talking out of their rear end or both sides of their mouth. So you can't, you're going to be a hypocrite if you love some but not others. Because pure love is agape love that loves everybody. No matter what political party they affiliate with. And then I stand for biblical truths and I vote accordingly. If anybody's against the sanctity of marriage, they do not get my vote. If anybody's pro-choice and not pro-life, they don't get my vote. Am I telling you how to vote? No, you need to hear from God, but those things are biblical and I think you should imitate me as I imitate Christ. And I think you need to take it to the Lord if you disagree with me and hear from God's voice and back it up with God's word and have a conversation, not be a keyboard warrior. Somebody's gonna keyboard warrior me, I don't care. The whole world is saying. And I, don't, I love you. I love you. I love every one of you. I don't, know, I don't know how I would do anything for you no matter what your sexual preference is or what you stand for. I'm going to love you the way Jesus loved you. We may not agree on that issue, but I still have a call to love you or I'd be a hypocrite. Right. Right. But if you want to have a conversation, let's have one face to face right now after service. Amen. Or set up a meeting and I'll meet you at my coffee shop and I'll buy your coffee. And I will love you and pray for you and we'll ask the Lord to come and lead us and guide us. I hate what's evil. Have a horror against evil and cling like glue to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. I mean, this is the answer to a world in crisis. Brotherly love, and now I'm going to give preference to you because I see you the way God sees you. Rejoice in hope. Don't lag in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfast in prayer. Why? Why should we continue steadfast in prayer? Let me give you an example. I posted something on Facebook last week, and it said this. Sorry, I can't... <laughs> said, God doesn't need you 
He does not need you. He wants you. God can do everything without you, but wants to do everything with you. If you understand that concept, you'll understand the purpose of prayer. So think about this for a minute. Let's say Mark is sick. And he's like, man, I'm not feeling good. I got this medical condition that's going on. And I think to myself, well, Mark is a Christian, and he knows Jesus. Jesus has got this. I'm not going to pray for you. What good's it going to do? God's already ordained what he's going to do anyway. The subtle deceptive lie is passive resignation instead of understanding the Father's heart. Because the Father's heart is that he loves you so much he wants to hear what you have to say. And he wants you to come into agreement with him to do it his way, not your way. And he's excited when you dream up a new thing. Like, for example, I have a six-year-old son. He really likes to talk a lot. I don't know where he got that from. And I took him, I took my son and daughter to athletic club the day one that they opened up. And it was like, I mean, you couldn't catch anything there. It was so sanitized. And so they sat in there, they went to the children's and I, you know, I had to check them in at the door. They can only stay for 30 minutes, which is crazy. Who can work out for just 30 minutes? I'm like, what the heck? So I go and I get them out. Oh, you can? So can my wife, by the way. I was like, we can't even go to the gym together because I like an hour. She likes 30 minutes. Get the kids out and Caden says, this was so boring. I, I, I couldn't do anything. They made me sit in a square and they made me just do coloring books and watch TV. Zion's like, I loved it. I thought it was awesome. I want to go back. I'm like, that is so strange. So I take Zion back last week and there was no children there. It was just him. So when I came back to pick him up, he's sitting in the square by himself, talking the girl, the worker's girl ears off. <laughs> I just chatting away. And then I go to pick, she says, man, your son really likes to talk. I'm like, yes, he does. I'm like, Zion, did you have fun? He goes, oh yeah. Yeah, I loved it. I want to go back. Now, when my son, this tray is like this too. When my son gets to chit-chatting, they say the craziest stuff. And I'm like, and they get on a roll and they start telling us. If you have little ones, you understand. It's like, what is coming out of you? And I can see the father in heaven looking at you the same way. And I can see the father saying, what are they going to agree with me on today and dream up that we're going to do together? Because if you don't see prayer from a relational covenant standpoint, you'll just lob them up and hope so, and you won't be in agreement with what God wants to do, and you won't dream with God like a child and pray together with him out of relationship. He's a loving father, and you need to learn the father's heart and what it means to be a son. So many of us are living like orphans, and an orphan always blames, it always has shame, it always hides, it always fights for your own back, you always feel like you have to make it happen. The older you get and the longer you walk with the Lord, the more you become like him and you rest and you realize, I just need to be in position with what Jesus, Jesus said, I only do what I hear the father say and do. So I'm challenging every one of you. I'm double, triple dog daring you to only say and do what the father does. And if you don't know how, spend time with him.
You know, when I look at you, I see a lot of, not in general, but when I look at the church, I see broken, hurt people from their past. Unforgiveness, bitterness, shame, and all this, this view towards God that something's so wrong with you that you can't approach God and you come in with your head hang low and you've got this warped perception of, of who Jesus is. Most of that's because of jacked up religion that has showed you an opposite understanding of who he really is, right? Think about this for a moment. Let's say you had a son that was about six or seven years old. And let's say that son had a sickness. It could be a childhood sickness that they grow out of, or it could be one that could be there for life. And, and not necessarily a terminal sickness. But let's say they had a sickness that they couldn't keep food down and they always threw it up. Some sort of, of esophagus thing. And that little six and seven year old would go up and down and wait all the time. And anything that they tried to eat, they would throw up, except for maybe an insurer or a Pedialyte or something that they could drink. And you found yourself in and out of hospitals and surgeries and poked and prodded. But that little boy had no concept of their sickness. They didn't have a concept of the foods they couldn't eat. And when that little boy could keep food down, he played and acted just like a six-year-old. And you're their parent. And one day, that little boy starts to believe a lie and starts to fall into shame. Wow. And starts to fall into shame about their sickness. If you were their parent, it didn't matter what you were going through. You would do anything to make sure that that child does not feel inadequate or something's wrong with them because of what they have going on inside of them. And an even worse tragedy is if they didn't have a dad or they had a father that made them feel that way because they felt that way. The father would never want you to feel that way, ever. And the way that you would feel about that child is the way he feels about you. And that's how I feel about you, because I have his heart. I would never want you to walk in shame with your head held low because you think you're inadequate and you're not good enough. And I'm sorry if you didn't have a dad that was there for you when you were a child and that happened. That's why we have the Heavenly Father, because I was abandoned and orphaned and thought something was wrong with me. But I know nothing's wrong with me. And I preach my guts and my heart out with love, even with an infirmity that I'm declaring and agreeing according to the cross, because I'm in agreement with the cross, and I have confidence in what Jesus did. Yeah. And whether I see the manifestation of it or not, I know what daddy's telling me nonstop. So I love, it does not inhibit, I may cough my guts out and hack up loogies while I preach, but I don't care, because I know who he is, and I am not inadequate or less than. So why would you be like that child, full of shame, when God loves you and died on the cross when you were in the midst of your greatest dysfunction, and, it's, and he wants to pull you out of it? It's only the Father's love that will really set you free. Everything else is behavior modification. You have got to see yourself as a son. You must see yourself as a son or a daughter. You've got to get a new perspective. Because if you don't, then the way you raise your children will be 
in a way that shows God as full of rules and policies and regulations, and there'll be no fascination and wonder. There'll be no dreams and visions and great stories and passionate and excited parents that are like big kids. Instead, what you'll be is a tyrant that beats and whips and disciplines your kids, and some of you had a dad like that, but that's not the way he is, and that's not the way you are called to be. You're called to be like Jesus, and when you become like Jesus, you love like Jesus, and if you don't get converted and become like a child, what will happen is you will misrepresent the father because the only Jesus and father that your children know is you. When my kids look at me, when they listen to me, they don't know God. I mean, they have an innocence. They're going to be with the Lord if they were to die. But you are the representation of the father to your children on earth. And when you misdiscipline them and you beat them and you misrepresent and you fight with your wife or your husband and you don't forgive and reconcile and know how to have conflict resolution, you pass it right on to your children. And the only answer is not another book, not another behavior modification, not another dialogue or or monologue and prophecy. It's only going to come with the Father's impartation into your heart and his love that transforms you to live like a son. And now you fix your eyes on dad because I only want to do what dad says. And when my son's in trouble, let me tell you this, when my son does something he shouldn't do, and he does. I mean, I am telling you, he's still, I'm dealing with him scratching and hitting cadence. And I'm teaching him, you never, ever, 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 ever hurt or hit a girl. Ever. Now, he's six, and she, she and pushes him to the brink. Because she's like teacher mode, controlling, always wants to be in charge, always telling him what he shouldn't, shouldn't do. And then finally, he just can't take it anymore, and he just lashes out at her. And then God says, here's you and your wife when you first got married. And I'm like, oh, snap. Because just like those two and what they do is exactly what we do. And so when I, when I, I've told him so many, and I got, man, there was a couple times I like blue gaskets. I was so mad. And man, whoo, he knew it too. And that boy would run. (laughs) And then God said, there's a better way. And it doesn't mean that I don't spank him and I don't discipline him. But finally, I had to say to him, listen, I had to be calm. And I had to tell him that I loved him. And I had to explain to him why he's being disciplined and in trouble because he would get shame. He would feel shame. And so now I tell him, don't ever run from me. It's going to be better for you if you don't run, for one. (laughs) Number two, have a seat and look me in the eyes. And he's just, I can see the tendencies of shame being put on him. Not from me, but fear. Now he needs to have a healthy fear of his dad, but not one that I'm a terrorist. And so I sit him down and I say, look at me in the eyes. And he doesn't want, I'm like, look at me. I love you. I care about you. I'm doing this for your good. It's never okay. Why did you do what you did? What have I taught you? And I have him repeat it back to me. 
And then if he gets a timeout or he does get a spanking, I explain to him, it hurts me as much as it hurts you. I love you. Come here. And I hug him and I hold him. And I explain to him, I'm doing this for your good because I'm saying to you, if I don't learn how to correct a child now, he will wind up in prison or dead or just like me when I was a child. This is the father's heart. If God doesn't discipline you, you're an illegitimate child. And when he does it, he does it for your good for eternity. Hebrews chapter 12. And so we need people that have the Father's heart. And you need the Father's love. (sighs) Come on, you need the Father's love. You need a dad that you never had. Well, I can't, I don't know what time it is now. (laughs) All right, I'm going to finish. I'll just stop there. Actually, I won't stop there. This last scripture, Romans 12, 17 through 19. And I'll stop there. Romans 12, 17 through 19. Repay no one evil for evil. No matter what they do to you. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Next verse. If it's possible, as much as depends on you. Let's say this, it depends on me. With Jesus in you, of course. I'm supposed to live peaceably with all men. Right? God's depending on us because we represent him on earth. Next verse. Don't avenge yourself. Never avenge yourself. Because the minute you avenge yourself is the minute you take justice into your own hands and not in God's. I don't have to avenge myself. But rather, I give place to God's wrath, for it's written, vengeance is mine, whose? His, he will repay. When will he repay? Whenever he wants to, either now or in eternity. You don't break God's laws, they break you. We trespass, but God has a way of repaying. Instead, what we're supposed to do is to love those that persecute us and bless those that speak evil against us. That's contrary to the world. Do you understand that? Right, yes. I, I get it. We want to fight. But if you start fighting, you're going to enter into agreement with that spirit of this age and you're going to do it their way. Yep. Everybody say there's a better way. There's a better way. We need spiritual responses. God will repay. He will repay says the Lord. So close your eyes. And just please pray this prayer together with me today. Say, Jesus, Jesus I want to respond, I respond the, way you respond. the way you respond. I want to know your reality, I want to know your reality more, than more than my reality. I want to speak when you speak. I want to hear what you say. I want to think like you think. I fix my eyes upon you, Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, for being a great father, the best dad, that you love me. You don't want me to be in shame.
So heal my heart, Lord. Show me how to represent you to a hurting, divisive world in crisis. I want to be wind-driven. I want to be spirit-led in everything I do. Have mercy on me, Lord, and forgive me, God, for believing, thinking, and acting any way that's not your way. So, Holy Spirit, I ask you to help me. I ask you to lead me. I ask you to guide me. And I ask that every word I say And even when I post, I would only say and post what you would. Light my fuse, God, and send me up that when I explode, people see your love, your power, your grace, and your mercy. Heal your church, God, by your spirit. And heal our nation by your body. Cut me open, Lord. Cut me open. May I lay my life down just as you did for the dying, this lost and dying world. And Lord, if there's anything in me that's not of you, any thoughts, any beliefs that's not according to your word, I don't want it. I want to be on your mission, not my mission. Hmm. And I thank you, God, that you called me for such a time as this. So I'm sorry for being angry, divisive, listening to the, the lies of the enemy in this world. And Lord, I enter into the kingdom, into your heart, into covenant, and into a family together as one. Make us one as you and the Father are one. And fascinate my heart, God. I want to be fascinated with wonder and beauty and radiance and joy and excitement like a child. Make me like a child, Father. I want to be like a child. I want to dream again. I want to love again. I want to believe again. I want to be fascinated again. I want to talk to you and walk with you. And I'm going to be ready, Lord. I'm going to be ready for whatever lies ahead. And I thank you, God, that I'm not alone. So, Jesus, I bless everybody here. God, get them. Get them, Jesus. Get us, Lord, in our cars, in our offices, at our, in all that we do at home. Everywhere we go, may we hear in the dark and proclaim it in the light. May we hear in the ear and proclaim it from the rooftop. May our church be a church of spiritual first responders to a world in crisis. And I thank you, Jesus, for people that love and live and care the way that you do. And I thank you, Lord, that if we're believing a lie, we got a good dad. You're a good dad. Come on, say it. You're a good dad. And I want to know what that means. So Lord, lead me and guide me. And help me to be just like you. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap.